right, you guys can take a seat. How are you? You guys good? Doing good? Have a good week? All right, I love it. Well, welcome to church. Welcome to week two of our series, Mixtape. I know there's a lot of amazing churches in Austin, um, a lot of them, and, and awesome things to do, and we're busy people, and so the fact that you're here with us for an hour, uh, we don't take that lightly, and we're really glad that you're here, and so thank you. Thank you for being here. Anybody here for the first time? Anybody? Any first timers? All right, welcome, guys. We... Uh, we proudly say that we're just a bunch of imperfect people doing our best to pursue a perfect God, and uh, we don't have it all together. We don't claim to. We don't need to. Uh, the world already has a Savior. It's not any of us, and that's wonderful news. Um, it's Jesus, and uh, you don't have to believe what we believe to belong here or uh, have it all together to belong here. If that were true, there'd be nobody in this church and nobody on staff, and so feel at home. Um, just know, man, we're, you're going to find out eventually we're Jesus people, and uh, we believe that uh, he, was, he was more than just a good guy, that Jesus was not just some good moral teacher who had some good ideas about how to love each other, but Jesus was actually the Son of God, and 2,000 years ago walked on this planet and lived a perfect life and was crucified and placed in a tomb, but then and three days later, walked out of that tomb that he borrowed, having just conquered sin and death to pay the price for any imperfection and any sin of anybody who wants it. You just have to want it and receive it. And that's all of us, that's, that's all any of us in here can claim. Seriously, we believe, man, Jesus, like you know in your knower, you know that we're going to heaven one day and we're here to celebrate it, right? And, and not only that, but in the here and now, like Jesus gave us a whole new way to be human. And part of that means giving us a whole new way of relating to each other and doing relationships, which is why we're doing a relationship series. Like Jesus had some pretty crazy and radical ideas about how to relate to each other. I wanna give you, like, check this out right here. This is Matthew chapter 22. It says this, and this is red letters in your Bible. This is Jesus talking, and it's important. It's this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. So your relationship with God. Think vertically, right? This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So think horizontal, like our relationships with each other. On these two commandments hinge everything, the entire law, all of the prophets, okay? So catch this, like, like it, is, it is more important to love people than it is to be right, Right, like how crazy is that in our day and age right now? We are created in the image of a relational God and all of us are made to know and be known by him and by each other, which is why if you're taking notes, write this down, your quality of life will be determined by the quality of your relationships, vertically, horizontally, from, from God to marriages, to dating, to coworkers, to friendships, to roommates. Truly, there's nothing more valuable than, than relationships. And I don't know this from experience, but you can have billions of dollars in the bank account and bad relationships and feel broke at the same time. Mother Teresa, I think it was, who said that the worst kind of poverty that there is is loneliness. And relationships, you can, you, can have, you, can, you can have nothing in the bank account and good relationships and feel very rich at the same time. And so it's important that we get this right because it's possible to not. It's possible to get it wrong. Here's another a thing to write down. Healthy relationships are a reflection of healthy 
individual. So being healthy this way is only possible when you're healthy this way, right? Like if you can't receive love and acceptance from God, you're going to have a hard time giving love and acceptance to people and receiving it, right? That's why like the most selfless thing that you can do for the people in your lives is for you yourself to go spend time with God because when you're healthy here, you will be healthy here. God's vision is healthy individuals in healthy relationships. And here's the five-letter cuss word of the night. Shame is the culprit, the number one culprit that ruins all of it. Shame is lame, amen? Shame is to blame. No shame, no pain, Red Rocks Austin. That's all the rhymes I have. That's all, I went on rhymer.com and that's all I found. So I hope... Uh, Hope that's enough to convince you that shame is bad. Shame is a cuss word, or at least it should be, because shame and guilt are not the same thing. I wanna make sure we know this. Guilt is, I feel, I don't feel right about what I've done. Shame is, I don't feel right about who I am. There's something wrong with who I am. And uh, they say, preach from your weaknesses, you'll never run out of material. And people relate way more with your weaknesses than they do your strengths anyways. And so here we go. This is, this is so personal for me, this message. And uh, I have a feeling it's gonna resonate with a lot of you in here. Um, and so here we go. We're gonna call this message, Stop, Drop, and Declare. Stop, drop, and declare. And so Jesus, we love you. We pray that you would join us in this space today. Holy Spirit, we need you and we're ready for you to move um, corporately and individually for any of my friends in here who feel shame and feel like they're not enough or feel like they've gone too far or they've done too much. God, I pray that there would be a shift in their lives today. God, I've been praying for this. I've been praying that your spirit would come in here and do what only your Holy Spirit it can do, God. And so we invite you here and we say shame, guilt, condemnation, be gone from this place in the name of Jesus. Be gone from this place in the name of Jesus. God, speak to us today. Encourage us today. We love you so much. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right. Stop, drop, and declare. Who remembers stop, drop, and roll? Like you practice this every year in every grade. Like you mastered stop, drop, and roll. Nobody taught you how to do your taxes. You can't do that. But you can stop, drop, and roll all day, right? Like I've never had to. I'm grateful I've never had to. I'm grateful I know what to do if I ever catch on fire. That's never happened to me. The closest I've ever been to being on fire other than burning my finger on steam while cooking up some Annie's organic mac and cheese on my stove. Like that kills, man. I don't know if you've ever done that. That, that's persecution is what it is. That's just spiritual warfare. And, uh, Nobody said following Jesus was for the faint of heart, man. The, the, the closest I've been to being on fire other than that is hot yoga. Who's done hot yoga? Anybody in here done hot yoga? Okay, my first time doing it was a few months ago, and uh, I thought, like, this will be easy. <laughs> I actually thought that walking in. I'm like, I like to exercise. I'm a healthy guy. I'm in the gym, like, once a, a week, you know, and... And uh, I like the heat. I love Austin in the summertime. I walk in like, this will be easy, right? And I even had like, I walk in with like my yoga mat, like superior, like, because I'm like, oh, like this is, tr this, like I lift weights, so this is nothing, right? And I walk in, they hand you eight pound dumbbells. I'm like, 
I, I, I do tens, bro. I do tens at 24-hour fitness. This is nothing. And I go in and, and uh, oh my gosh, it is so hard. For those of you who have never done it, it is not for the faint of heart. A lot like following Jesus. Hot yoga and Christianity have a lot of similarities, okay? And I'm sitting, I'm doing, like we're 10 minutes in to yoga. And you know how like, like if you've ever had the stomach flu, like I've had nights with, like that is awful. And I've had nights on the bathroom floor with the stomach flu, like having a moment with God, like praying, like, God, if you want to kill me right now, like I'd be okay with it right now. And like, I mean it in that moment too, you know, it's like so painful. And in yoga, I'm praying the same exact thing. Like, God, if you want to take me and somehow transport me out of this studio so I don't have to make the 20 foot walk of shame past all the people I was just rolling my eyes at 15 minutes ago, like that would be fine with me right now. Get me away from the pain. Get me away from these eights that feel like like 80s, get me away from the heat, right? <laughs> it's not for the faint of heart. And uh, it has nothing to do with my message, but I just, I'm kidding, it does. Here's, here's the parable of the hot yoga class explained, okay? Go with me. Shame, shame is like fire. Shame is from hell. That's why it's like fire. It's not from God. Condemnation, guilt, these things are not from Jesus. Conviction is, here's the difference between condemnation and conviction. So you can, you can see what you're dealing with next time you're in the immediate aftermath of like messing up or, or doing that habitual sin that you've, you, you know better and it's like the 150th time that you've fallen, right? Like what do you do in that moment? How quickly do you run back to the throne of grace with confidence? Or do you, do you kind of wallow in condemnation and, and punish yourself for a little bit because surely God's mad at you in that moment. Surely you're surprising him with your humanness, right? So in that moment next time, do you, do you feel something kind of pulling you back away from God in punishment? Or do you feel something like gently challenging you and wooing you forward into more? Because this is conviction and it is from God, but this is condemnation and it's straight from hell along with guilt and along with shame. Straight from hell, it's not from God. Um, in Southern California, in November, so just a few months ago, they saw some of the biggest fires they have ever seen in California. And um, like miles and miles, you guys. And we were just back out there for Christmas because our parents, me and Ryan, um, our parents, their, their house was right next to it. Um, and it, it didn't get burned, but we're out there and we're like driving through the mountains on these roads and like, it just keeps going and going with mountains like that are charred, like charred earth and burnt trees and ruined homes. And it's like awful to see the devastation in the wake of fire. And I was, uh, I was praying about this message two nights ago, praying about shame, and God like so vividly put that imagery into my imagination. And I really felt like he said, hey, what, what shame did, or I'm sorry, what fire did to those mountains is what shame does to relationships. What fire did to those mountains is what shame does to relationships. And the devastation that shame leaves in its wake is hard to imagine. Shame is like fire. And just like elementary school, when you memorized stop, drop, and roll, and you will always remember that, I'm praying because we all hear so many sermons and we are truly, uh, we live in the age where we are overtaught and underapplied, right? 
A lot of times, like, you don't need a new book. You don't need the next sermon. You just need to apply the stuff that you already know, right? And I've been praying, like, God, don't let this be another one of those. I don't, wanna, I, I don't want us to get smarter walking out of here. I want us to be godlier walking out of here. And, and so I, I've been praying, stop, drop, and declare, it's so simple, but I've been praying that, that every time for the rest of your life where you start to feel the heat of shame in any kind of moment where it's creeping up and you feel shameful thoughts like, I am, I am not enough, I am, I am not okay with who I am because of the things that I've done or, or something other, somebody else has done to me, like any time for the rest of your life, and it's, it can be daily for a lot of us, like I pray that in that moment you will remember, like it'll be seared into your brain to stop drop and declare in honor of our mixtape series to, to stop in the name of love before you break your own heart. Drop it like it's hot and declare. I don't have one for that, but shout, twist and shout. I know you make me one. I don't know. Whatever it is to stop, to drop and declare because freedom from shame is freedom from a thousand different relationship problems, all right? And I'm gonna show you what I mean, right? Can I see my Bible? Um, if you have your Bibles, we're gonna go to the beginning to Genesis chapter two, and we are gonna start in verse 18. I'll give you context as we go, but this is when shame entered onto the scene for the very first time, okay? So here we go. Chapter two, verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. So a little context, it's just Adam, okay? He's the man. He's the only human being on planet Earth. Earth, and I just picture him there for like years sitting on a rock naming animals, okay? So like elephant, oh, hippopotamus, I don't know, kangaroo, and God's just like, okay, this dude needs a friend. Not good for man to be alone. And so I will make a helper suitable for him. And so notice that phrase, suitable helper, because historically that has been taken out of context, hijacked out of context and like wielded as a weapon in a lot of scenarios to say that men are superior to women. But I just wanna read you this quote because it says it better than I could ever say it. Listen to this. The phrase suitable helper certainly sounds sexist as if women were created to serve men in all of their wants and needs. But the word translated helper is the Hebrew word ezer, and it's almost always used of military help, and it's most often applied to God's actions, God's actions toward Israel throughout the Old Testament. So since God is called Israel's helper, the word certainly does not imply inferiority or weakness. And right there is where you could drop the mic, but I didn't write it, I just read it, which is not quite as cool, but just where we are in history, I wanted you to see that right there. Keep going, verse 20. But for Adam, no, there it is, suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. Point there is that naps are holy, naps are from Jesus. And for some of you, the holiest thing that you could spend an hour of your week doing is not reading your Bible or even praying this week, it's taking a nap. Like if you're exhausted, we're also living in the day and age where everybody's exhausted, all right? And maybe for you, like there's something that you can cut out so that you can take a nap for one hour. That is, that is for somebody and it's holy, okay? And if you don't do it by choice, sometimes God will force you. He's about to force Adam to take a nap. Like Adam's on the rock naming animals and God like comes up and puts him in a divine sleeper hold. Like shh, 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 shh. Let's keep going. 
And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. All right, and so this is the very first wedding ever, okay? And then we're gonna jump ahead to Genesis chapter, or or just a few verses to verse 25 because this is the best verse in the entire Bible for so many reasons. And Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. All right, so when I read that, that's, that's naked, not just physically, but in every sense of the imagination, spiritually, mentally. Like, imagine for a second, like, hey, before sin was a part of the world, uh, there was nothing to hide, okay? So imagine for a second everything about yourself on display, like the, the, the thoughts that only you and God know about. We all have those, like the, the secret motives that you have, the secret like fantasies that you have, like everything that we keep hidden now because of shame and because of sin. Like imagine all of it just known and yet you feel completely accepted and loved at the same time because shame at this point in history is not in the dictionary. Completely known and yet completely loved at the exact same time. That's how this whole thing started. And that's how this whole thing one day is going to finish. That's where God is bringing it back to right now. And regardless of what you believe about Adam and Eve, like if you're like, they were real, this is historical, or this is just a story. Whatever you believe about, about Adam and Eve, or the tree, or the snake, or the apple, and we don't even know it was an apple, it's just fruit. We just say apple, but I feel like apples are like, hey, like, it doesn't, like, why are you calling us out? Like, we don't know that it was us. It could have been a nectarine, right? Like, whatever you believe about any of this, Um, is fine. I just want to say this. I I, want to say this about, like, whatever you believe, it doesn't matter because the result of this story, the result of this story is undeniably your current reality. (laughs) It doesn't matter because the result of this story is undeniably the world that you and I live in now because you know about sin and you know about shame and you know now what it means to hide. And if Genesis 2.24 is the best verse in the entire Bible, then Genesis 3.7 is the worst verse in the Bible because they take a bite of the fruit. And then it says, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves. And so they go from paradise, guys. Like it's just the two of them and God on an eternal honeymoon, okay? They go from paradise, completely known, completely loved, to all of a sudden they start hiding first from each other and then from God, and then they start fighting and bickering. And you can make a pretty strong case that human beings to in some way, shape, or form have been hiding and fighting ever since, ever since this moment. This is like, like, look at this. I want you to see this. That's how long the Bible was supposed to be right there. This is how long human beings were awesome. Okay. This was, this was supposed to be our manual for how to do relationships. Like we were never supposed to need relationship series. Like this was supposed to be it, but then sin and then shame. And it's amazing how shame can complicate and make a mess of something that was originally so beautiful. And now this is our manual for how to to not to to be completely known and loved at the same time, but for how to forgive and how to give each other the benefit of the doubt when we get wronged or when we wrong you, right? Or how to bear with each other in love. Like that's now our manual. It's amazing 
what shame does. It is responsible for the dysfunction, any bit of dysfunction, from marriages to dating to, to friendships to your coworkers. Shame in its wake is, is devastating. And so let's talk about shame just for a little bit. Growing up, um, my brother and I loved baseball. It was life for us, okay? All we thought about was baseball, literally. That was it. Like, come home from school, grab the gloves, go to the backyard, play catch with dad until the sun went down and mom called us in for dinner where we'd sit around the table and talk about baseball, right? And then we wouldn't help with the dishes. We would just go sit on the couch, toss the baseball back and forth while we watched baseball on TV. Like, baseball, like, I loved it. I loved it. I was good at it. And then my freshman year of high school, I had tryouts for the freshman baseball team, and my worst nightmare came true. I got cut from the team. And I remember, man, I like, I still, like, guys, it was my freshman year. We're talking about a baseball tryout. And still to this day, like, I haven't shared this story. Like, when conversations with other human beings, like, like end up at high school sports, which they do so often, I, like, I, like, I just ask questions and leave myself out of it, right? Like, I remember these two, this two-day baseball tryout like it was yesterday. Like, like, my legs were skinnier now than they, like, then than they are now. I don't know if you can even imagine that or believe that. But, like, picture, like, me, like, 4 foot 11 and 85 pounds in love with baseball. But, like, like my legs, like, completely, like, shaking. Like, couldn't hit a ball. Like, my hands are so clammy. And, like, I had pins and needles in my entire body. So, like, I couldn't, like, you would have thought I had never heard of of baseball before, watching me in this tryout, right? And, and I got cut, and I still remember the day, like, like two days after tryouts got over, and I knew it was coming, where, where the coach posted the roster on the fence at the field, and I walked down, and I, I, I did not see my name on it. And in that moment, feeling like, I'm not just mad about a bad tryout, like, I, 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 I want to hide right now, because this is all I know. And I am so ashamed of who I am right now. And to have to go tell my brother and my dad that I got cut from the team. And they, they, they were amazing. They took me to Red Robin that night to cheer me up. But shame, shame is powerful, man. Shame is powerful. And all you want to do is hide. And I remember, like, even, like, I had acne in high school when it was really bad that year. And by the way, on New Earth and in Heaven, there'll be no such thing as acne. Can I get an amen? We can make some noise in this place. But, like, something like that makes you, like, oh, I just want to hide. And I'm not on the baseball team. And this is all I've... And this was a tryout my freshman year as a 14-year-old kid. And I've got worse stories than this, all right? Like if we pass this microphone around and all of us told war stories about the times in our lives where shame entered and we went from being like, like the, 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 the ignorant, blissful like stage of childhood to all of a sudden like, I think there's something wrong. And I think, I'm, I think there's something wrong with me in that moment. And, and maybe like it was like a tragic event um, maybe it was something you did. Maybe it was something somebody did to you. Like there's so many, like shame enters in through so many different avenues, right? And it isolates. That's why all of us feel like we're the only ones in this room right now, when in reality, it's probably the thing that we all have in common with each other more than anything else is this feeling that Adam and Eve felt as soon as they understood what sin was and that they had to run and they had to hide shame. There is something wrong with me. Like, like you, like you want to take like 10 showers to get something off of your skin that you can't get off of your skin. 
and you will, you will go to any length to not feel it. You will sell out on your morals to numb it for an hour, right? You will run from it with ambition and success and popularity. Like, I'm not okay with who I am, but I will be. I will be, if I have anything to say about this, I will never feel shame again. And I'll show them, whoever them is, right? I'll show them. We project images of men and women that we want to be on social media who don't feel shame, right? And social media is not a bad thing unless, you're, unless it's your fig leaf that you're hiding behind, right? It isolates, man. When Sam and I first uh, started dating, we met on a mission trip and uh, started dating for a month, and then we broke up on Valentine's Day. That was my bad. You'll probably hear more about that story in the coming weeks. And then we got back together a month later on another mission trip. I know how Christian this story sounds, okay? But it's my story. I'm not apologizing for it. And when we started getting uh, serious, um, it was time to have the talk. Some of you, like, in your soul, you shuddered because maybe you haven't had it yet. Or maybe you know exactly what I'm talking about, the sexual past, the history talk, right? Um, and Sam, growing up, she, she took purity very seriously. And I didn't. And I think she always thought, like, one day I will, I'll, I'll marry uh, uh, somebody who's a virgin, just like me, somebody who saved themselves from me. And we started getting serious, and she started realizing, okay, if I marry this guy... That's not gonna be the case. And it was a really, really hard reality pill to swallow, okay, for both of us because she, like, I think, like, she saw me as, like, a forgiven guy. You know, like, we can do that easily, like, oh, brother, sister, like, you're forgiven, you know, but, like, but, but there's a difference between seeing somebody as a forgiven person and seeing them as a brand new creation, like, completely, where that was their former life, and they're now actually a new person, not just spiritually, but physically and emotionally, right? Like, there's a difference between those two things, and I think she saw me as a forgiven guy, and I kind of saw myself as the same thing. Like, I know I'm forgiven, but God is still kind of bummed out at me, right? And I'm kind of bummed out about myself, and I can't quite let this go, and it led to a lot of, a lot of fights, a lot of fights, but I'm, I'm also grateful for it at the same time because it forced us to actually get serious about whether or not we believe Jesus when he says that the old is gone and the new is actually here. Like if you believe Jesus was just a good guy and a good moral teacher who had some good ideas, whatever, but if you believe that he is the son of God, then you have to believe that with him every day, every morning, every breath, you are physically, actually, in reality, a new creation and the old is gone and the new is here. I've been crucified with Christ. And that man is not me anymore. I'm actually a new person. But it was so hard. It's easy to preach about. It's another thing to receive. And it caused so much dysfunction. And at the time we were meeting um, with Ethan's parents, Justin and Andy, um, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but they are like the, they have the marriage we want 30 years from now. So we get around them a lot. They're our marriage counselors. And even before we were married, we would go over to their house and, and Andy would cook us dinner and we'd talk life and talk love and, and, and talk about like maybe getting engaged soon. But three dinners in a row, the thing that we could not get past that we kept bringing up was my past, was my history. 
three dinners in a row. And, and finally, Justin, Ethan's dad, I think he just like, he finally, because they were kind of going easy on us and kind of gently like pushing us towards God. But then this night, he just kind of, he put his foot down and he said, you guys stop this right now. Stop in the name of love. Before you break each other's heart, dear God, let's, let's stop this right now. He gave us an ultimatum. He said, you guys, you guys have come this far and you're trying to move forward, but you're holding on to something that you cannot bring with you. And so either right now you let it go and you drop it, never to bring it back into your relationship again because it will be cancer for your marriage. That's what shame is. You let it go right now and move forward or you both walk away from this. But do not move forward carrying this with you. Break up tonight or drop it for good. And sometimes like these things just like they happen. It takes a while for them to like sink in and us to really believe God when he says you're new. But that night for some reason, and it was the Holy Spirit and grace, there was something, man, grace, it, it sounds like this churchy word, that belongs in a chapel with pews and stained glass. And, but grace is, is violent when it comes face to face with shame. It's like chemo to cancer. It's like water on fire. Grace murders shame. Grace does not mess around when it comes to sin. Grace does not mess around when it comes to shame, right? Grace is a pretty word when it's on a coffee cup or a t-shirt, but it can be violent when it needs to be violent. And there was something for us that shifted and clicked that night at Justin and Andy's house where we walked out of it and, and let it go. We dropped it. We stopped and we dropped. We, we dropped it that night and it's never come back again. I don't know, like I, I can only explain that supernaturally saying that it was God, that it's never come back because I can tell you now, like if you, you could go up to my wife after service and bring up my sexual history before I met her and she will laugh about it now. What once caused us so much pain and dysfunction is now jokes that we tell on a date. Jokes that we tell. I feel like that's what God does to shame. He laughs at it. That's what God does to our enemy. He laughs at it, right? Shame does not win paired up against grace. When you, when, you, when you picture the majesty of Jesus Christ next to Satan, it is impossible to, to imagine Satan small enough next to Jesus. It is impossible. He seems bigger than he actually is when he's behind a curtain, when, when it's all buried deep down in the dark. Then it has power over you until it comes to the surface and it dissolves and God laughs at it, okay? God does not, God does not give sin the wink and the gun like, oh, it's okay. God takes sin seriously, which is why we take sin seriously, but it's not because it's a problem for him. It's because it's a problem for us. Why? Because it causes us shame. And sin does not keep Jesus from you, but your shame keeps you from Jesus. Your shame keeps you 
from Jesus. You might, like, because it's logical. Shame makes sense, right? Like, you might think that you've, you, you need to do everything right for God to love you, right? You might think that you need to clean up your act and then you can come to him. You might think, man, I've gone too far. I've done too many dark things. I've looked at too many dark things and therefore I've now somehow ruined God's plan for my life or I'm shocking him by the things that I'm doing. But let me just free you from that by simply telling you this. And if you could remember this, oh my God, You are not that powerful. You're not that powerful, and you need to get over yourself and receive grace because you're not that good even at messing up. You are loved, and it's not because you can perform accordingly. You are loved because God is who he says he is, and Jesus murdered sin by being murdered on a cross 2,000 years ago, and now I can walk in the freedom that comes from that, knowing it's not a problem for him. Like, like stop torturing yourself with your personal record of everything that's wrong with you and every wrong thing that you've done. Like, God knew what he was purchasing on the cross. You, you, you did not surprise him. Like, even Good Friday is kind of like God's grand declaration to the entire universe that you're gonna need a savior because you're gonna be imperfect and not not be able to save yourself, right? Like God outed all of us on Good Friday with the cross, right? Sin is not a problem for him. It's a problem for us because it creates shame and shame is the thing that keeps us from him. It is a waste of time. It isolates you and makes you feel like you're alone in this crowded room. I'm telling you, it's it's the thing that you have in common with everybody else here, with everybody else in Austin, everybody else on this planet. And oh my gosh, if you could figure that out now rather than 50 years from now. Like the worst thing to be is not saved. The second worst thing to be is saved, but not enjoy it because you haven't dealt with shame. So I was... uh, and uh, seeing another counselor, and you're like, bro, how many counselors do you have? <laughs> a lot, and I, I'm all, I love it, man. I'm all about it, and, uh, and Sam and I, even like right now, like things are going great, but we wanna keep getting better. We don't wanna wait for things to get bad. I don't wanna wait for things to get bad in my life before I talk to somebody about it, and uh, I was talking to uh, Gary. He's my counselor, and he, he, he's 72 years old. He's been following Jesus for a while, and he's the most free human being that I know. He walks in a freedom that I just, I dream about. <laughs> like I stay up at night, and I, I dream about the kind of freedom that Gary Brugman walks in. And I was, I was in a session with him about a year ago, and he kind of gave me like an open invitation. He said, hey, hey, if you, if you want to use me in this session to confess stuff and to take everything that's in the dark and bring it to the light and not have somebody judge you for it, if you want to use this session to come out of hiding and feel what it's like to be a little bit more fully known and yet still loved at the exact same time, you can use me right now to do that. And I, I was like, are you, like, are you serious? And you know how like, you kind of start like, tell, like, confessing to stump somebody and you give them like, the PG-13 version of the story and then look at their facial expressions and decide like, oh, okay, here's how it actually went down. Here's more of the details. It was actually more R-rated than PG-13. Well, I just went straight into it with Gary and I just like, bleh, like, like all over the floor, everything in my life that has ever caused me shame, okay? And so like sin patterns that I've had, uh, 
forever, like secret stuff, right? Like all the reasons I sometimes like feel inferior or feel like I'm not enough, all the reasons I sometimes feel like I'm failing as a pastor or failing as a husband or failing as a dad, like everything that makes me feel less than what God sees in me, I just, here it is. And I went into detail and like for like an hour and I finished and I was like, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna say? And I'll never forget what he did. Um, He just started laughing. And it was the greatest thing that he could have done. Because everything that was in the dark came to the light. And in laughter, it dissolved in front of me. And in that moment, a good test for how well you understand grace in the gospel is, uh, do do you punish yourself? and wallow in condemnation and guilt and shame because surely God's not very pumped on my life right now? Or do you run immediately to the throne of grace back to your heavenly father with confidence? If you have any hesitation at all in that moment, you still have more revelation of the gospel and of grace to receive. So in those moments, because they're coming, in those moments where you wrong somebody and you feel wrong about yourself for doing that, I feel shame, or somebody wrongs you or does something horrible to you and here comes shame once again, rearing its nasty, its nasty face, stop, drop, and declare in that moment. I stop in this moment in the name of love, right? Stop in the name of love before I move any further because I'm now ruined for this Christianity thing. I've seen too much of God's goodness. I've seen too many people get saved. I've seen him bring me out of too many things. I can't go back. I can't leave this life that I'm in now because I've seen too much, but I can't carry this with me moving forward. And you, like, I have one option at that point because I'm not gonna get out of this. It's drop this right here. You stop and you drop whatever it is that, whatever it is that is haunting you, small or big. And here's the thing, that would be really like almost impossible if if there wasn't a third word, something for you to do in response to dropping it, to then turn from it and declare truth over your life. And so here's what we're gonna do this week on Instagram and Facebook, on the story, every day this week, there's gonna be a new, just one picture that has one phrase on it, okay, every day. And it's it's something new for you to declare in your life every single day. This week, you're about to get seven mini sermons, seven sermons, like so short, they're not even a sentence that you're gonna have to take with you to preach to yourself in the moments that you need it because you're not always gonna get somebody else to do that for you. And man, you guys can come back up. And today, here's what it is. It is finished and I am enough. 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 Even if I don't feel it right now, I promise you, when you preach yourself into it, the feelings will follow. The life change will follow. Your life will go in the direction of what, like of the words that you declare in the truth of of Jesus Christ, okay? Like your part in this equation, the part you play are the words that you say. There you go, it even rhymes. The part that you play are the words that you say. It is finished and I am enough. I don't feel it, but I'm gonna preach it again. It is finished and I am enough. And for some of you, that'll click the very first time you do it. For some of you, you have to do this all week, all day long, like a hundred times a day. For some of you, 
you, you'll do it for the next year or the next two years because there's something about shame that can be so sticky. But I promise you, there is freedom from it in your future, okay? And you can, it's possible to deal with it now and be on the other side of it one day sooner than you think. Stop and drop and declare. I'm gonna drop this. My past. I was gonna say the past, a sexual past that I regret, but I no longer, I no longer feel bad about it and shame over it. I tell jokes about it with my amazing wife on dates. That's the power of grace. Whatever it is for you, something somebody did, something you've done, drop it. And I'm gonna declare, Jesus said that it is finished and I am enough. And it must be true. If he's just a good moral teacher, think whatever you want. But if he's the son of God, then you are a new creation, crucified with Christ. That's a former life. I know that, that, that Doug no longer lives. You're looking at a new creation. Can you start seeing yourself the way God sees you? Can you start seeing other people the way God sees them, right? First Corinthians 13 is oftentimes quoted at weddings because it's all about love. Love is faithful, love is kind yada, 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 and then it gets to love keeps no record of wrongs, and we hear that, and we think, yeah, that, that's, I'm supposed to not keep a record of other people's wrongs, but what about you? What about your wrongs? Like, you are so loud in the things that you say to yourself. You can be so mean to yourself. Sometimes I think, like, the devil listens to some of the things I say to me, and he goes, oh, <laughs> Even for a guy like me, like that's cold. Like that is, that is harsh, the things that you say about yourself. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God does not condemn you. And if God does not condemn you, then nobody can. And that includes Satan. And that includes you condemning yourself, amen? No condemnation. So I'll drop this and I'll declare it is finished and I am enough. It is finished and I am enough. And the feelings will follow. The feelings will follow, but I'm gonna declare truth on the weeks when I don't feel it. Because there's a lot of those weeks. This is the life of a Christian, the world that we live in. Okay, we don't feel it all the time. We don't have to. We know it's real. I'm gonna preach it real to me. I'm gonna declare it like I believe it, like I feel it, even when I don't. And you will soon. That's my promise. God has made a way to freedom from shame, but you have to take it. He's made an avenue. You need to take the avenue. You can be a saved Christian, go to heaven one day and, and sit beneath shame for the rest of your life. That's a common story, but it's possible to outsmart it and see yourself the way God sees you, man. It's so possible. I've been praying that something would happen today. Like this would, something would change and shift because of this message for your life that it would be part of your testimony one day. Amen? Would you guys stand up? God, we love you. I think you've said something individually to each and every one of us. And I just ask, in the name of Jesus Christ, that you would seal it in our hearts. Don't let this be another sermon that we hear, more information that we learn. Don't let us just walk out of here smarter. Let us walk out of here changed, God. I don't wanna be overtaught and underapplied. I believe you've made a way. 
I believe I'm actually not as far as I think from the man that I want to be, and it's right on the other side of shame. And so grace, murder, shame in this house in the name of Jesus Christ tonight. Grace, have your way in this place. Grace, do whatever you have to do to free us from shame because freedom from shame might just be the freedom from sin that we've been looking for. God, we love you. Thank you for a church to call home. We pray this, God, in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Red Rocks Church, let's worship.